everyone. Welcome to Top and Jack. This is the second episode of our new podcast with me, Claire, and my sister, Megan. Hi. Um, today's episode is going to focus on generations and the zeitgeist around generations and why it's been such a popular thing of late to categorise um groups of people and identities into generations such as millennials and gen z and to see if these are you know homogeneous groups or if they're quite arbitrary and um yeah where it all came from and if it actually means anything so yeah just start getting into it yeah let's go Talking Jack, dissecting every day. So, as we've said, today's episode will be focusing on generations. And as with most of our episodes in the setup of Talking Jack, um, one of us is going to take a topic and uh, research it and the other is pretty much in the dark about it and we'll just have discussions from there. So today's um, is hosted a guest by myself, Claire, and Megan is a bit more in the dark about it and doesn't really know too much about the topic or haven't, hasn't researched it. So um, yeah, so I don't know if you just want me to start kicking off. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. So The reason I kind of wanted to look into generations is because I feel like we've heard a lot about generations, especially if you are on social media. Um, Which I know. Yeah, so this has worked out pretty well because Megan is actually in the dark. She's probably wondering why I'm even talking about this. Uh, (laughs) But I've just noticed of late, especially with TikTok and stuff, that um, people seem to enjoy categorizing people into their generations and I feel there's this much bigger thing in trying to stay relevant um, and yeah I think as well ourselves we would probably count ourselves as millennials so I think we're now on the periphery of what I once thought would be cool I suppose um, or, or relevant but we're no longer we're, we're an older generation now to younger people, so I don't know if we necessarily fall into youth culture anymore, uh, which is quite daunting. But um, I'm going to quickly start by just summarising what the generations are. Um, so we kind of have, when generations came out and it was a thing to categorise generations, um, uh Sorry, I'm just making Claire laugh because I always think of um, and they used to say that the credits were going to summarise now. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to just turn into Alan Sugar and uh, summarise about generations. But yeah, Not so when old. no, <laughs> when generations uh, did start as a thing, um, and and people looked at describing generations, um, I guess it would have started with the silent generation. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. But it was from about these. Just just to say, these uh, definitions came from varying sources. But the years I've kind of taken from the Pew Research Center. Some of them vary of like what the years are for them. 
it might be a couple of years out depending on your source. Uh, but yeah, the silent generation was basically from about 1928 to 1945. Um, and it was, these children, their parents would have like struggled through like the Great Depression and World War II. Um, and the whole silent thing comes from being seen and not heard. They were known for being quite traditionalist in their behaviour um, and their desire to perhaps work within the system and not change it. So just stick with the status quo and they always look for security. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's hard when you look up about generations because a lot of it will be like American. And I suppose we come from a UK perspective, but I think the whole silent generation comes from, uh, it's, it's an American term. Um, I think uh, the uh, sort of, what's, what's the word? Uh, the equivalent in the UK would be the radio generation. I think that's what they call it in the UK. Um, but uh, yeah, so, a lot of people didn't really feel secure, so that's why they didn't want to change the status quo. Um, and they uh, wanted to start families and they wanted to raise children, but they didn't feel like they lived in a time where they could, which makes sense coming from like the Great Depression and, and the war. It was a very unstable time. Uh, so as um, as a result, they were quite thrifty, respectful and loyal, I suppose. That's how we categorise them. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or you want me to keep going, Megan? Uh, well, I've never heard of that term, the silent generation. No. But, um, I suppose it makes sense. All that came into my head was silent old silent films. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if anything to do with that. And then you mentioned the radio generation, so I just was like, oh, Queen, you know, that's what this is I mean, yeah, it could epitomise that. I mean, it, it's 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 no surprise that in that video as well. It is it's it's the war that they show World War Two in in the video for that song, just as a side point. So that's always interesting. They've always looked at cultural markers to, to show. Yeah, that, so. I mean, you might go into this, but I think that that does have um, quite a what's the word? Um, salience, I suppose, with generations um, like sound and vision, um, mm -hmm. because I would say that any generation is marked by advancements in either sound or vision or maybe just media in general. So, like, if you take the Queen, like Radio Gaga, obviously it was, did it come out in the 1870s? Well, sorry, certainly not the yeah. 1920s. No. Um, but like you said, they are harkening back to perhaps maybe like post-Second World War, but it's that kind of like end of maybe the silent generation, so like the late or mid-40s. And they were talking about how uh, obviously it was moving towards video, it was moving towards um, television, mm -hmm. and every generation as kind of like I was saying, are marked by the youth changing something or rather going against something that their parents feel to so in that song, for example, they're like, oh the radio's really oh the radio's for like their parents if you don't mm -hmm. on television. Mm -hmm. So it was like I think the media and the technology and that is very much um a marker of generations. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll get into it as well, but like they say that you know gen the definitions of generations come from youth culture. So yeah. it's all about what youth culture bring and what the differences between that new youth is to the 
the parents and generations before them, so makes sense. And um, it's marked by like technological advancement, I suppose. Um, so then after that, um, we've all heard it, the boomers, the baby boomer generation. <laughs> so that's roughly about 1946 to 1964. So that was a post-war generation. Um, that was a time where I think, you know, I, I don't think it's specific to, to the United States or the United Kingdom, but across the board, especially in Western cultures, there were a lot of reforms in education. Um, there was obviously you had the threat of uh, nuclear war and the ideological confrontation of the Cold War. Um, it was just about the start of 60s counterculture. So you had like the hippie culture in America. Um, a lot more political instability because it makes sense, you know, a lot of people would protest and stuff about certain stuff, for example, in the Vietnam War. Um, there, this is when I suppose you would see us, the, the tendency to define the world in terms of gender or gender politics definitely came to the forefront in this, in this time, or maybe, maybe towards the end of it, 64, I suppose. Um, yeah, like I've said, increasing affluence and um, more and more people had like money, they, they could buy more commodities, you know, I'm thinking like refrigerators and stuff like that. I can't recall when the TV came out, but it could have been close to then, especially in the, the latter half of that. Um, yeah, again, like I said, more government welfare investment. Um, there was a lot more optimism as well coming from, you know, the Great War. You know, a lot of people thought the world would actually get better because if they've got access to more commodities, more money, more disposable income, more investment in education and health and welfare and stuff, you can see why it would be a more optimistic time. Um, you again, this is when you would see differences between um, educational levels because if you think about it if there was more reforms in education more investment in education this is when you saw a much bigger difference between um education between like children or the youths of this generation and their parents before them there was much more common for like youths to be more educated than their parents and that's only something that steadily steadily increases as you go through the generations which you'll see um Again, like even like where you're talking about popular culture, this is, I suppose, when popular culture became big. I mean, popular culture has always been big, but, you know, this was the time of TVs. So, you know, it's when it's when soap operas started, um, you know, and they would they would promote really optimistic post-war socio socioeconomic values um, like people saw a lot of themselves. On the TV, I'm thinking the UK particularly with soap operas, that's the first time we'd really see working class people represented on TV in Carnation Street and stuff. Um, it's when rock stars were really useful. You know, you had all your classic rock stars who had really useful lifestyles. It's when that sort of reckless lifestyle like was appealing. And it's when you then, as a result, saw like the decrease in like parental influence so if you think of the generation for who are the traditionalists and then you've got this generation who are really really optimistic and then they see themselves reflected in, in music and in tv and in film and you've got these people like i'm trying to recall his name i can't remember it you might remember it what's his name he's american and he died really young and people always say it. he was a rebel rebel without a cause what's his name Oh, uh, James Dean? Yes, James Dean. That was when James Dean was big in the 50s. So, you know, people were like, this is this is what I want to attain towards. And because they were really reckless, you know, and it really, really was jarring between the their, their parents' culture, and that's when you saw their influence uh, diminish. 
Um, and again, you see it's all because a lot of middle and upper class youth started to adopt pop culture. And because of the increase in working class, this is when they started to adopt a lot more working class attitudes and uh, values and stuff, um, which is, yeah, stark contrast to previous previous generations. Um, and yeah, just the, this is when you really saw the start of youth counterculture. You know, in America, you'd have like civil rights, like I've said, hippies, anti-war, it's when feminism was on the rise, marriage and the breakdown of family started, you know, divorce was much more common. Um, and then home ownership increased because this is why people were more optimistic because they actually could afford things. Um, I think in the UK, the rate of home ownership of baby boomers went up so it was 75%. So 75% of baby boomers owned their own home, which I mean, if you look at it, to today, that's like unheard of. Probably makes sense to why what their opinions are of uh, youth zoning homes today. But yeah, that's kind of a snapshot of what the boomers are. So I don't know if you want to say anything about that. Yeah, um, I was just thinking um, when you were saying that, um, I know that there's the quote by uh, the British Prime Minister Harold Macmillan in 1957 when he famously says that we've never had it so good. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like talking about this golden age of like, um, you know, uh, wages, employment, uh, access to goods. And obviously in that time, the welfare state was created after yes. the war mm -hmm. so um you know you had access to health like the nhs was created so in britain in particular um there was a lot of like progress and increased prosperity for classes who have never had access to these things before um and then just as you were saying this kind of younger generation who are now termed the boomers they uh were a bit more like uh radical and a bit more free and you know they had access to especially in britain they had access to like, a lot of american culture so like um your rock and roll like your yes, yes. things, and there was a lot of uh panic in parents who were probably like you know from the silent generation, they were a bit like, oh, like, what does that mean? Like, the type of dancing that they did. And, yes. Um, they were really worried about that. And if you add on to that, like, the more, the, the kind of, near the end of, like, the boomer generation, I suppose, the sort of freedom with sexuality became, like, a real issue. Uh, and obviously in Britain, um, I always bring it back to this because it's something that I'm just fascinated by but like the whole moral panic thing was uh starting for Stanley Cohen in the 1950s I want to say it might, it might be the 1960s actually um but that was about the mods versus the rockers so you're going to go into it I'm sure but um the rockers were kind of like your early boomers so they were the ones who were like maybe like from Alice Presley and then the mods kind of went into like the 60s mm -hmm. um so yeah I, I feel like that's also marked by as we were saying before, it's just increased access to um, sort of what you would call popular culture, like you know your media, your music, your your maybe not this thing, but like your videos. Yes, like absolutely. That. And I'm going to come to it later once you've maybe had a more familiarisation with what the generations are 
generally speaking. Um, it's also, like, bear it in mind if, when we're talking about it. If it's the fact that the people themselves in generations, the youth, are influencing generations, or it's what's happening, are influencing the youth, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, it's interesting to think about. Um, but, yeah, and again, you can see it, that... As the generations go on, there's, it's a reaction to the preceding generation. So you can see that that counterculture generation in baby rooms is a reaction to the traditionalist, uh, so stereotypically speaking, the traditionalist um, attitudes of the silent generation. But of course, you know, like going back to silent generation, you've got lots of people who weren't actually silent during that time. There was a lot of revolution going on. You know, so these, the although I am glossing over them, I am saying the key characteristics isn't like, it doesn't speak for everyone, and and again, is is a thing I want to come back to whether these actually represent, um, if you're a baby boomer, if you're a millennial or whatever, do these actually represent you or not? So yeah, so whilst I'm saying this, I do want to bear that in mind. Um, but yeah, so Generation X, um, that was about 1965 to 1980. So a lot of people say, well, Rain said he think he was a sociologist. I'm not sure. Uh, he said that when Generation X came along, they had a lot to live up to because of how much change the baby boomers themselves have initiated or at least gone through. Um, so people sometimes call them the latchkey generation. I don't think it's the best, um, what's the word for that metaphor or idiom for that generation? I just don't think it's great. But apparently it was an image spawning from the fact that children returned to an empty home um, and you needed to use the door key, so uh, it's, it's such. That. Yeah, I just I don't think it's the best uh, visualization of a generation, but each their own. Um, yeah, and it was due to like reduced adult supervision compared to previous generations, because as you can see, obviously parental significance is declining as you go through the generations. Um, yeah, so it was also a result of, you know, increasing divorce rates, as we said, um, increased maternal participation in the workforce. So, you know, that's the fact that a lot more women were going into work, so they weren't at home to look after their kids. Um, they've been dubbed the MTV generation um, and quite crassly uh, characterised as slackers, cynical, disaffected and disaffected. So um, the cultural influences on the Gen X youth included like proliferation of music genres um, with sort of like strong social tribal identity, such as like punk, post-punk, heavy metal. Um, yeah, and then if you want to move away, I haven't really talked about it, but just because I feel like generation is such a Western concept, but if you looked at many like Eastern European countries um, or just Eastern countries, um, Gen X like experienced the last days of communism and then they transitioned towards capitalism. So it was in a lot of countries who were previously communist moved towards um, capitalist. So that obviously had an effect on, on their youth. Um, yeah, and then in the Western world, uh, this time period was like loosely defined by um, a dominance of conservatism, oh my God, I said that wrong, um, and like a free market economy. You might be able to unpack that a bit more, Megan. Um, yeah, they've been credited as being quite entrepreneurial and productive in the workplace more broadly. Um, 
yeah but equally quite an alienated youth trying to make a sort of like name for themselves which I suppose makes sense for uh, being quite entrepreneurial um yeah so I think it kind of came the, the name gen, gen generation x doesn't sound quite great I mean I suppose generation x does basically sound like a youth that were disaffected so it came from this author called Fusil um he named an X category of people who wanted to hop off the medical round of status, money, and social climbing, and um, that so often frames modern existence. It was this term was then popularized by a book called Generation X by Douglas Copeland. Um, and yeah, his title for that came from Fusil. Um, yeah, and then other sort of things around that like as we've said in the previous generation where like you know there was a lot of like more sexual liberation I think this carried on during that generation so um like it was the time when the contraceptive pill was created or at least popularized um family planning programs came into place um you know the the ch childhood of people who were gen x um was a time when there was a lot of sexual revolution because they would have grown up in the 60s. You know, although like previous generation was up to like 64, 65, this is the generation that would have grown up in, in that sort of like free love sort of period of like the 60s to the 70s. And um, in America, that was the time of like the AIDS epidemic. Um, it was post-civil rights. Um, yeah, and again, like I've said, as it would carry on, a lot more Gen X were more educated than their parents, so there's a much bigger gap between them. Um, and yeah, just because they were quite disaffected, a lot of them became a lot more ambivalent towards politics. Although the previous generation, yes, they would have like um, maybe had a bit more of an interest in it. Although, like, it's weird. They say that they were a lot more ambivalent to politics, but I also feel like it was a time where people did protest a lot. Because it was the time of like the Watergate scandal, it was the time of Thatcher, and um, like well, Thatcher's children, as they would say, because it's the people that grew up with Thatcher. They maybe not like Thatcher, maybe didn't have an influence in their adult lives, but um, it would have been that in the eighties at least. But um, this only really goes up to nineteen eighty. Um, yeah, and they grew up once they worked reached working age. Uh, it was a time that was defined by like high employment um, and stuff like that. So as Gen Xers grew older, it's not in the 1980s when they grew older, um, yeah, they were like more disaffected by politics and yeah, didn't really feed into the whole um, marriage and, and idea of children and stuff. So yeah, brief overview of Gen X. So if you want to say anything, let me know. I think just when you were talking there, I was like, I had to remind myself that when you're talking about the generations, obviously these are children in these times. Yes, like, so this is it's, it's confusing because sometimes when you read about them, they're they're also talking about what they grew up with and then how they moved when they got up older. So what they grew up with would have been like, yeah, I suppose I should really make it clear when I'm saying when I'm describing it. It's kind of like a brief snapshot of how what the times that they grew up in, and because of what they grew up in, this is how, how they did that viewed, inform. This is how they were viewed now. So, like when they were youths, like they would, for example, with Gen X, they would have been seen as disaffected and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, yeah, I really should make that clear. No, no, I just had to think about it. In my head. So, I just wrote like a few random notes when you were talking. All right. So, um, I was wondering, and you might know more about this than me. Are they the beat generation? 
Mm, no, like with the free baby boomers. Oh, okay. And the big generation is? Big generation, uh, oh God. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an American thing. It's like the generation of like Henry Miller and like all these writers that decided they wanted to not conform to normal society. And it depends. There's two... There's there's two revivals of the beat generation. So there's the original beat generation, and then there was the revivalist beat generation, I think. And so it could have been that sort of time. It could have been like the sixties, early sixties, late fifties, early sixties. Um, but yeah, they 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 were supposed. I I don't want to be really personal about it, but I don't really like the beat generation because they were particularly like middle to upper class people who had the privilege of taking themselves out of society and living this this nomad sort of lifestyle of being like we're going to take ourselves on the road like jack caracol or however you say his name on the road, yeah. on the road yeah so as much as they say oh we are disaffected they kind of chose to be mm-hmm. so yeah yeah you need to make that distinction between people who are like just by their circumstances, they are disaffected versus the people who just choose to operate with life. Exactly. Or, the, you know, like the railway sort of thing. Um, and that's one thing that I was thinking of, actually, is that I know that in the 1970s, um, okay, maybe not like with children, but if they had parents who were boomers, their parents may have been, you know, they've grown in, they've, 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 they've now like sort of adult hippies, if you like. Yes. And I know that there was like, in Britain anyway, there was like this kind of movement to be like off the grid. And a lot of people wanted to like live in like communes and things like that. Yes. That was really popular. Or like even if you look at like things like the good life, mm-hmm. they wanted to like live off the land again mm-hmm. and sort of opt out of like this consumerist sort of thing that had taken place in the 1960s. And as well in Britain, a lot of the people in the 1970s, because our parents are probably the generation X because they were born in 1964. They were born in like 1964, 1961 yep. time. Um, I had asked them both about this before because I know that the 1970s was recession, like yep. it was a big recession in the 1970s for a lot of people in Britain. And I asked them, like, did you know that? Obviously, they were kids, they probably didn't. But there was like an energy crisis um, where people had to like put off their lights basically and they had to go back with like candles yes. and things like that. So I think the 1970s kids knew a lot more about like hardship than say the 1960s kids and I wonder whether there was like this like resentment towards boomers because of how easy they had it because you know the whole never had it so good and then the generation x are kind of like seeing all of what all the prosperity that they had back then and then they are kind of like reaping the consequences of that because then they wrapped up debt or whatever and they're yes. kind of dealing with that it's very interesting that you say that sorry i just want to quickly say it because when i go on to like millennials i feel like you could say that that's been mirrored in millennials and gen gen z yeah so yeah and i know that like if you take like the the, the energy crisis that was going on in the 1970s i'm sorry i don't have the dates and hand but i remember reading something where someone was talking about that and they were like there's something in that if you look at the kind of the culture like tv programs or films of that kind of time a lot of it was very like dark and very kind of like apocalyptic so you had like the day of the triffids maybe on the tv like the rivers and things like that and um, so that kind of like 
and capture this sort of feeling that people had about being cut off, you know, because in it takes, I think it's survivors, it takes survivors. You've got these people who are in these very like working class, I think they're in these, but I might be wrong. Um and you know, like you can relate to that and you're like, there they are sitting in candles. It's like, well, we're doing that. Because, you know, they've got yes. this gas in yes. cases. Um, one more thing I was just going to say, just when we're talking about that, I think a really good distinction between maybe Generation X or, like, depiction, rather, of Generation X and the baby boomers are, like, Only Fools and Horses, because Only Fools and Horses came out, I think it was the 1960s. It was, like, 1964, I'm sure, the first was series. Was it? I thought it was the 70s, but... Yeah, I think yeah. the first series was the 60s. It might be very late 60s, but I'm sure it started in the late 60s. Whoa, I didn't know it was that late. But I might be wrong. Uh, anyway, obviously, there's a huge uh, age gap between Del Boy and Robin. Yes. They're brothers, but, like, Del Boy, I would say, is, like, they're, they're slightly maybe on the periphery of, like, different generations. Mm-hmm. And you've got Del Boy, who's, like, very, like, up and, you know, he's, like, he's, like, entrepreneurial, like you were saying. He's, like, getting, you know, gets up and goes and just, like, makes all his money and stuff. And then you've got Rodney, especially in the earlier um, seasons. He's, like, he's kind of, like, this youth, so he's, I think he's, like, sort of, is he like his early 20s? Yes, in the start, yeah. And he goes about like sort of very disaffected, like you know, like in your docks and you're kind of like a yes. sort of jacket. Yes. He looks very kind of punk and he's really sort of like into that a lot of the time in it. And he's like, he's just like really bored of life or like he's worried about um, nuclear war or, you know, he's he's very like, so you can see the two generations and obviously they've got their granddads and the granddad's even older mm-hmm. and then he's gone through the war or their uncle's gone through mm-hmm. the war and they just keep going on about that and they're mm-hmm. like oh well we went through the war so what have you got to know about and you can see the differences in the generations but they all live in this like big tower block yeah and it's interesting yeah there's such a good like depiction of it because then also if you look at granddad for example and uncle he just wants to sit and watch his tv because mm-hmm. he's like that's as good as life's gonna get me sitting here watching I never the tv because i never had that so whew, luxury Dell boys pretty much like oh happy go lucky like I'm fine, I'm fine with what i've made i'm, I'm, I'm a self-made man i'm like you know like out there doing what i can i've, I've given you this you know, I'm, I'm helping granddad. He's got like the TV, whatever I'm going to go out mm-hmm. and like do everything. And he's kind of okay with these lot, but wants more. Mm-hmm. And and Rodney's just like, I couldn't care less with what we have. Like, it's so bad. And yeah, just, and then like really nihilistic. And exactly. It's like that book where he's just like, roses and herds and lemons. And he's like, like, we're all yes, literally. He's really, like, like, oh God, life is so rubbish. And constantly there's like this running theme in like the early episodes where Dale's always like, Look what I've done for you because he's kind of brought up Rodney yes. the mum died. And um, Rodney's always a bit like, well, you're not for me. And that's kind of where Generation X was. They were like, they just yes. they didn't know any different. Yeah. So they didn't know that, like, they've grown up knowing that there's um, cars and yeah. TVs and music and all of that. So they haven't had, they haven't seen the birth of that because the other generations kind of have, so they know yeah. that it can be worse. Yes, the generation Xers are kind of like, yeah, and like, it also just looking forward, and they're like, oh, well, I'm not getting all these goods or whatever. Absolutely, and I also think like as well on that as well, like only feels nurses depict like commodities and the throwaway culture of commodities and stuff. And um, oh, what was I going to say about that? Oh, I've forgotten. The way that they're always wanting to be millionaires. Yes, yes. And just, oh yes, I was going to say, like, just the fact that it's a broken family 
is is very uh, typical of that time with how the way families were going and how like, the broken home and stuff and the fact that that's that's what only for some horses depicts kind of speaks for the time as well that it was made yeah it's not got that standard yeah for family you haven't even got like a sort like two point uh, yeah, a two point four children you know situation yeah, yeah. Got, like, a main no exactly which is quite maybe radical i suppose at yeah. the time because the previous generations the mother was the one that brought it exactly she stayed in the home and Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, sorry if I'm going too much into the um generations, but we've got two more to go. No, we'll go through them. So uh we're all millennials. That's us, here we go. See if it see if it relates. Mm. <laughs> so millennials, 1981 to 1996. So we're just on it. Um uh so yeah, this again, as I said, you'd see a trend in it more people postponed marriage millennials postpone marriage as they get older obviously that's their attitude is to postpone marriage um decrease in birth rates um less likely to be religious uh they always say that millennials is like the first global generation you know what i said before it really depends on where you are whether you're western eastern american british maybe say that you know if, you, if you're going to categorize millennials they will speak for a lot more people generalize a lot more um they've been deemed the internet generation obviously because it's around about when the internet came out um uh yeah they're marked by their usage of being online and their social media usage it's quite contentious whether you want to call millennials digital natives or you want to call gen z digital natives um but uh, psychologist Jean Twenge termed gener uh, millennials generation me and said that they're all entitled and narcissistic and um, yeah, just very uh, self-centered. <laughs> it's also often said that millennials um, ignore like conventional advertising, like they're really self-aware to know that they don't want to be sold to. Um, it's when a lot more people came like, savvy of commercialism and capitalism and stuff um but you know they, they they i would say that the millennials are in fact like the ideal consumers for for stuff like that and they are very much influenced by it. like a lot of stuff is geared specifically for millennials um yeah they say that like a lot more like generation the millennial generations read for pleasure but i'm not sure how accurate that is um yeah right now people like have categorized millennials as being quite nostalgic and want to preserve them the nostalgia that they grew up with such as like polaroid cameras vinyl records um stuff like that um maybe books that they read uh, films that they watched um yeah and then like it's interesting because when i was looking it up i found like something that said like millennials choose to define themselves more negatively they don't really have to see being deemed as a millennial as a positive thing so being deemed as a millennial is um to be deemed as like self-absorbed wasteful uh greedy uh selfish um and shirley Le Pen who is a political scientist, said that millennials are pursuing a sense of belonging, um, which becomes a means, oh God, I think I've like mucked up this quote. Yeah, they, they always, they have a sense of being needed and um, millennials experience belonging by seeking to impact the world. Um, having faced the full blunt of the 
great recession um yeah they always want to make like a better difference in the world like that's that's what millennials choose to like like make for themselves like carve out for themselves um and millennials in europe or at least in 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 the west um tend to be more pessimistic about the future direction of countries or the world um shows that like if we're looking at like where millennials are now it's not what they've grew up in like um research has showed that in the past few decades like popular music has gotten like slower um just because i think it's good to define millennials in pop culture because it's uh, like what like we're interested in a lot um so uh yeah so um a lot of uh millennials um listen to older songs like they prefer to listen to older music than new music and millennials was also the time when hipster counterculture came out so i think like a lot of generations have a counterculture and you would say that like millennials is maybe defined by the hipster culture hipster counterculture which is basically like another version of the beat beatnik culture um there was a decline in soap operas an increase in on-demand tv and streaming um millennials also have to deal with the fact that there is an increase in an aging population and um, they came out of the financial crisis of 2007 um yeah um there's an increase in university um attendance um and there's sort of been a tendency for millennials to air their sort of social and political views um more than more than their parents did um and then the economist reported in 2013 um in a survey of political attitudes um they surveyed the political attitudes among millennials in the united kingdom and it revealed that they had more liberal views on social and economic matters than older demographics so if you were going to put them into a political allegiance it would possibly be a liberal one any thoughts yeah um, Sorry, I know that's a lot to, uh, these are like a lot to unpack, so I get that. Yeah, I've always really struggled with like defining millennials because what did you say was like the, I don't know it can differ, but what's the general sort of start point of a millennial? 1981. I just think that's same, that we could be included in that because to me, the 80s are such a distinctive time. Yes. I'm like, how can we, as someone who born in 85, be even acquainted with people in the yes. 80s? I'm just, I don't know why, I'm just so fascinated with the 80s. Um, because... But that's good that you, you think that, though, because they, they could be totally arbitrary. They I just, just mean like, anything. It's, it's just weird. Um, because, like, the 80s was... I mean, the 80s... Still had Margaret Thatcher. Yes. Like she was basically the 80s, like politician, right? Yes. And I'm like, she didn't know what to do with me. But yes. I don't, I don't, I'm like, you know, I don't remember living when she was like. But it's, it's, it's interesting. But then it's interesting when you say this because it, this is a slight confusing when you talk about generations. It's because although we would be included as a millennial, like we haven't grown up in anything that defines anything that happened in those years. We grew up in the following years. So when we grew up, we were we were growing up in what you would term a Gen Z, because we'd be growing up in nineteen between nineteen ninety seven and twenty twelve, which is what you would call Gen Z, which is a Gen Z. But we would be growing up in that time. 
So why are we not doing that? Oh, I get really confused. It's just we, we are counted as a millennial because we were born in the years that you count a millennial generation. But like, it's so strange because it's like, I was having this conversation with, with, with people earlier and they were talking about, oh, what were they talking about? Like some children's show or something. And then they were talking about, do you remember pop party CDs? Oh my God, yeah. They were talking about stuff like this. And when you see it, you're like, oh, I remember that. Mm. And, and you know, like they'd be like, oh, but are you a millennial? Oh, they were talking about Spice Girls. And they were like, it's weird that we grew up with the Spice Girls because we weren't actually of the age when the Spice Girls were popular. I would have listened to the Spice Girls in about like 2000s. Mm. But that's not when Spice Girls came out. Yeah. They came out in the 90s. But I'd be listening to them in 2000. I would think they're part of my childhood, but they didn't actually come out in my childhood. Yeah, they came you out born in 95. Exactly. It's just that's what I grew up listening to. So therefore, that's what I think is my childhood. Uh, it's really yeah. old. Yeah. Oh, it's quite messy. It's very messy. Um, really confused now. Um, so. Don't say um, so in the 1980s, right? Which would be the millennials, because let's just take right the earliest millennial. Let's take someone who was born in 1981, right? Yes, so here's my maths, but it's how many years since 1996 when the millennials end. I can't do maths, oh, it's only 10. Oh my god, 15. Yes, yeah, 15. never come to this podcast for maths at night. No, <laughs> but, but let's just say, right? They're 15. When the millennials end, right? Yes. So they're like, they have literally grown through the 80s. Yes. Now, I would say, that if someone has a no, because I wasn't around, unfortunately, <laughs> in the 80s, which I was, um, that to me, anyway, the 80s is marked by like this time of paranoia. Yes. Because of the Cold War. Yes. And uh, like, you know, this, this fear of like the nuclear bomb. Yes. The atomic bomb. It was all around, uh, and it was also marked by like huge advancements again in technology, like the eighties, and like, computers, your mobile phones, things like that. Um, yes. and capitalism was rife. Um, and you could say it was quite a narcissistic time. I'm literally thinking of American Psycho. Yes, <laughs> good, but, good illustration. Though. But you know, that's just like a satire of the like absolute capitalist in the 80s, you know, all about consumerism, all about me, I'm amazing, like, everything I do is great, all about, like, looking good, yep. and designer things, and all that, right, so it's no wonder then, to me, that, like you said, that the millennials are defined as being like this kind of slightly like narcissistic kind of um, generation, yes, because... If you were, you know, this really early millennial, you grew up in that that sort of time where that's what it was all about. Was it all about I and the individual? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wonder as well, like, then you take the late millennial, so the one that's born in like '95. Let's just take us, right? Yes. How were the same as this fifteen-year-old? I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like us, right? We were not born in a time of a world war. Now, there might be war going on in the world, but we're not as aware of it. It's not impacting us as yes. much as, say, World War One, mm-hmm. World War Two, mm-hmm. even the Cold War. So we don't have that kind of like um, 
one we don't have that kind of like community spirit that everyone always says that you have in the that can be disputed but that's a whole other topic um and you also uh, you don't want that kind of fear, that kind of purpose. That the You're very individualistic. And, yeah. So I also am then like, it's funny that the millennials are defined as being nostalgic because I wonder if they're not just nostalgic for, you know, when we're older, like like the age we are now, mm-hmm. like when you're in your 20s, I know a lot of millennials are like, oh, wasn't that the 90s great? Um, but I wonder if just in general, if you take a millennial who was born in the 80s, as a general sort of thing about the millennials, I wonder if just as a group, we're all kind of nostalgic, whether that's for the 80s when you grew up and the 90s mm-hmm. when you grew up, because you're constantly striving for that kind of thing of when you had like purpose and that, because that's kind of like what, wartime generations are defined by mm-hmm. um and do you know what i was thinking as well just a random point but uh wouldn't then the millennials be your goths and your emos or is that the next generation no it could be as they grow up yes because the 80s was very like gothic rock. yes could be um this is this is just a very 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 generalized view mm-hmm. of what people see as millennials of course there's caveats in it and there's there's different categories in it do you know i think it's funny though right sorry you'll probably get into that but do you know i think it's funny that like every generation when you get your i know it's all generalization but each generation like you said have a subculture right yeah and no matter what generation you're in the subculture probably just by this name always is like a dark kind of like pessimistic or sort of gothic kind of emo-ish kind of subculture it's always got that dark undertone to me mm, yes because by definition it's a subculture so I it would be i, know, I just realized it. I mean, I know what you mean, but I think there's a distinction between use culture and subculture, or counterculture and subculture. Mm. Um, also, um, last point. This is what I was actually meaning when I started going on about like, wartime generation and all that. Just funny how you said that millennials tend to be quite embarrassed about their own generation. Mm-hmm. They tend to be quite like, mm, I don't want to be called a millennial. Yes. Um, so it's like they're ashamed of like, yeah. their label as a millennial. Yeah. And I wonder then as well if that's because they don't see any pride in what happened in the time of the millennials. Possibly, yes. Because you know, like the boomers need to take pride in the fact that, like, the war, or you know, and then you got the next generation, the welfare state, and all these big advancements, or maybe in technology. This is the nineteen sixties when went into space. Mm. all those kind of things and it's we were we i i think it does from like i was going to say you know how you made this good point before about baby boomers and genetics yeah you might have to remind me of your point said i'd come back to it um but how they mirror each other oh um and i think it comes from like the millennials being embarrassed Mm. that um like we have just used up a lot of our resources if you i don't even mean like just the planet but if that's an issue we will take it we'll take climate change an issue we'll come on to look at gen z and gen z right mm-hmm. but if we're defined by being quite selfish and being quite um narcissistic um, and, and the me generation then i feel like we just find out and like live for ourselves we've, we've done the cold war we're through it 
we're living this quite cushy lifestyle as an millennial, reveling mm-hmm. in music and vinyls and, mm-hmm. and and film and all this. We're getting all the good things of pop culture, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like if then you looked at baby boomers, that's kind of maybe what the, it, on the surface, it said there was a lot of social unrest in the baby boomer generation. But they were like, we've been through the depression. We're going to mm-hmm. live our great lifestyle where we've got more welfare, where we've got more money, where we've got, we, we, we can, we've got more access to like pop culture and stuff like this, right? Millennials could have argued they've kind of done the same and they say history repeats itself, right? So then they've done all of that. We've come through it. Suddenly we've reached 1997 and people have thought, cutting off the millennial generation or Gen Z's generation. Still, I find it weird how we do it, but you know, here we are. And then Gen Z generation grows up. They're much more self-aware. I'll get into it. They're like, oh, look at the selfish millennials. They've burned through all of our resources. They've ruined the planet. They've done this, this, this. They've had like all these, like, you know, all the, obviously there's like a lot of historic ones, which baffles me that the millennial still is historic. But like, you know, how all of the Me Too generation came out, they'd maybe like associate that with millennials, like this very like, self-absorbed like unaware generation mm-hmm. that just did what it wanted and didn't really care didn't really care about the future generation just went through and did its own thing like mm-hmm. living its best life not getting married not starting families burning through money all of this and then the gen, gen z come along and this is what people say about them they care about other generations like they they're the people that want to to make a proper change because i would argue that the millennials although some People have like defined millennials as this. I don't really think if you're going to be general about it, millennials really do want to make a change. I would say that's Gen Z. And I think like Gen Z came along and was like, we actually care about the future generations. We care about the planet, blah, blah, blah. And look what millennials have done. And therefore, millennials then internalize this sort of like really embarrassing to be called a millennial. Mm-hmm. Apart from the fact that we're older now mm-hmm. and every older generation is always seen as a bit more like lame, I suppose, mm-hmm. from the name to use that word, uh, <laughs> generation. But, you know, maybe it comes from that. Yeah. And on that note, we'll just quickly go to Gen Z. Um, we've all heard about Gen Z, the woman place. Um, 1997 to 2012. So I can't recall what generation we're probably in now. I'm not sure. Um but yeah, they were being called the first social generation to have grown up with access to the internet and digital technology from a young age. So they've literally grown up around technology. And so some people have dubbed them digital natives, which I would say arguably fits to Gen Z if they've grown up with digital technology. Um, they apparently live more slowly at their age than predecessors. So they're not like going out and doing everything at once, if that makes sense. It sounds really odd to say that, I know. Um, and there's they're much more like less reckless it seems there's lower teenage pregnancies they drink less alcohol they're more concerned with older gen like future generations um they're more concerned than the, than the generations before them about academic performance and job prospects and careers they have higher awareness and diagnoses of mental health problems um they obviously goes without saying spend more time on electronic devices than we do and which it's been found there's probably various studies on it but generally has impacted their like vocabulary ranges understanding and their attention span so there's been a lot more um diagnoses of like adhd and stuff and the economist has described generation z as a more educated well-behaved stressed and depressed generation in comparison to previous generations Youth subcultures 
that were as influential as what existed in the late 20th century became scarcer and quieter. So there's not, like, people argue that there's not much of a subculture in Gen Z, which is quite interesting because I feel like that subculture is just Gen Z. Like, if you were, like you were saying, if subcultures are darker and there's no subculture, people argue there's no subculture in Gen Z, then maybe they're just now the majority culture. Um, uh, yeah, so um, they're more ridden with irony and self-consciousness due to the awareness of um, incessant peer surveillance and surveillance in general. Um, they would say that they're equally as nostalgic for like previous generations. We can all see it even now to fashion. They're like obsessed with the 90s, uh, which makes sense since they were apparently born in 1997 onwards. Uh, yeah, so Gen Z are less social. They prefer staying at home, watching television or going on social media. They don't like, you know, for example, then going out to like cultural things like visiting museums or, or galleries. Well, just... So yeah, some people would say that they are social, they just got a different kind. Well, that's true. That that that's true. They're still social. Yeah, like face to face, still really. Do yeah, that. I would argue they're probably in a way more social. You could yeah. you could say. Um, yeah, good point. Um, random fan fiction has risen. I don't really know what the significance is of that. Um, uh, popular music has gotten slower. Like majorities of listeners prefer older songs, so that's still a thing. Um, sad music is quite popular among adolescents, apparently. Yeah. Um, although they know it can like dampen their moods, like they still prefer to listen to it. Makes sense if they're all stressed and depressed. Um, <laughs> the data from the NHS showed that between 1999 and 2017, the number of children below the age of 16 experienced at least experiencing at least one mental health disorder increased from 11.4% to 13.6%. A 2020, a 2020 meta-analysis found that the most common psychiatric disorders among adolescents, no surprise, were ADHD, anxiety disorders, behavioural disorders, and depression. Youth vote has increased because obviously they did get they did get access to it in whatever year in Britain. Um, they've they're much more progressive than their predecessors. Um, they're much more likely than other older generations to believe that climate change is real and support climate change mitigation. Youth crime has fallen in the UK, apparently, in this generation, um, although there is an increased exposure to stuff like harmful stuff, all online, like pornography and stuff, which is an issue. Um, and you, European teenagers, apparently, are more prone to like social isolation. Um, due to intrusive parenting. Apparently there's an increase in Gen Z in like molly coddling like parenting, which is interesting. Really like different to like Gen X. Um, uh, yeah, also due to obviously like heavy use of like digital devices um, and much more and, and concerns over academic performance and job prospects. So they put much more like relevance on that which means that they are much more socially isolated just because that seems to be the priority and that finally is the roundup of generations well done um, thank you any any thoughts on gen z mm, not really 
Um, okay. We can get into it if you want. Um, just kind of roll down exactly what you said. Don't have any actual points to add, except that um, I guess what you're saying, not really have a subculture, perhaps that's because they have social media, so like they have spaces for their subcultures. So that's true. That's true. Um, much more than that is a problem. It's funny that we're like really stressed and depressed because arguably now I know when I say this that I've got the threat of what's going to happen to the climate and everything like that. I understand that, right? But when you look at them going up, if they were born in the 1970s, they were born in 1997. Yes. You take your childhood, say, so they're like 10, 11, 12, right? In that time, because as children, probably more than now, the next generation probably as children will be climate change, but as children, they, well, they've kind of never had it so good in a way. Yes. Because, you know, like, better access to education, better access to health. Uh, yeah. Like, you've got your technology, you've got... But I think it also... You need to think of the fact that as well, like they are basically the information generation, like they are overloaded with information. And I think the fact that they have so much access to it, like means that they would be more concerned with things because they know so much about everything. Yeah, and they don't know when to switch off. Yes, exactly. Cool. You go into your discussion points. Okay, I mean, I have them, but like also it's still some research, so let me know if I'm saying too much. No, uh, so I was just gonna like ask you first and then I'll go into like research. But like, have you noticed generational zeitgeist? Do you like what I'm gonna deem generational zeitgeist? Have you like yourself like seen it? Do you know what it was like? Do, do you know it's like a thing to like describe people by generations? Do you feel like they're relevant or? Well, yes, I've heard people like talk about the generation all the time. Like, uh-huh. I was like, oh, you're such a woman. Oh, you're such a Gen Z. And what do you think when people say that? I don't know. I don't know too much about it. It's a, I, I, I don't know. But I, if someone I, described you when, oh, you're such a millennial because you did something, would you be like, yeah, yeah, or would you be like, no, I'm not? Would, would you instinctively like, 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 oh, yeah, like I'd be like, almost insulting. I don't know why. It just, mm-hmm. you just, you just feel like when someone's telling you that you're such a whatever generation, that they're saying it because that's a bad thing. Yes. Because whether I know what that generation mm-hmm. actually means or whatever, I'm just like, and you're telling me that because it's like means that like I'm, I'm stupid or I'm too old or whatever. And and hearing what the kind of like obviously there's a lot more to it, but that very general overview of what generations are. Do you feel like it's they they're relevant? Do you feel like they speak to you? Does does millennials speak to you? Does Gen Z speak to you? Do people who you know are maybe Gen X, baby boomers? Does that speak, does that like reflect how you see them? I feel like I'm really, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm really, I don't know, because I've never been like a really like sort of popular person, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, I just, I don't know. Like, I can't really say whether I feel like uh, it relates to me just because, like I said, I've never really been someone who goes along with, like, what's popular. Okay, well, to tap into that, right, I want to kind of look at, like, where the generational zeitgeist came from and then to look at why we categorise people. And I think you'll have more, like, like things to say about that because you might know more about social categorization or something because you're you've got a psychology background I guess. oh yeah i've got a psychology degree <laughs> I actually oh. do. I just, she does and she's she's she knows she knows herself um so the new yorker said that um the discovery that you can make money marketing american merchandise uh, to teenagers dates from the early 1940s which is also when the term youth culture appeared in print so I think I've always thought like the generation thing came from a market that I've always thought it was a market perspective but um, I think I think that's true uh, yeah. so um, and then uh, the new idea around about like the so this idea um, that people born within a given time period belong to a single generation sort of like came from the 1800s um, although the New Yorker kind of I think they're very uh, against the idea that, that well they basically say that like generation categorization is very arbitrary because you know they're like there's no sound basis in biology or anything to say that this this means anything like if if you're born in a certain like time period that you're going to fall into these really stereotypical <laughs> um characteristics um but uh it gave european scientists and intellectuals a way to make sense of something um that they were obsessed with which was social and cultural change so a lot of social and cultural scientists um like would would um, fit them into generations because it meant that they could have these set cohorts that they could they could do studies on, which which makes sense. Um, uh, and then they say before 1945, most people who theorised about generations were talking about literacy and artistic styles and intellectual trends. For example, like romanticism to realism. That's how you categorise these sorts of things, or or liberalism to conservatism. It wouldn't have been like social differences like generations um and then 19th century generational theory took two forms so the first was generational change was the cause this is kind of what i was asking you earlier so uh, generational change was the cause of social and historical change new generations bring to the world new ways of thinking and doing and then the second of generational theory, the second idea, was that generations were different from one another because their members carried the imprint of the historical events they lived through. So we're just going to like stop there and just see what you think of that. What do you, do you see the distinction? Mm -hmm. What do you agree with? If, if any at all. Mm, so the idea that youth are influence a generation and generations are influenced by young people yeah so i've maybe like worded that a bit wrong so basically that like um generational changes were the cause of social things for example if you take 9 11 right very very significant event um it's that 
the generation change from say, would it have been Gen X to millennial or millennial to Gen Z? You shouldn't. Millennial to Gen Z, I should know. Millennial to Gen Z, let's say that, right? Um, was it that change? Was it the millennials changing to Gen Z that because of this, because of this shift in, in who you are, because as we've so seen that if you're suddenly born in 1997, you're a different person than someone who's born in 1996 because you're Gen Z. If mm. that change just caused a cultural shift, a social and cultural shift in attitudes and perceptions and everything, that then, because of these cultural attitudes changing, that then was maybe like a catalyst to different changes towards terrorism and all of that. And then 9 11 happened. This is a stretch, kids, it's just an example. Or if you go the other way, is it that um, generations are different from mother because of the events that happened? So if we look at that example, because 9 11 happened, Gen Zs will be more nihilistic, for example, than millennials. I know where I stand, but I don't know where you stand. I think it's that one. Yeah, same. Makes much more sense that if you if you believe in generational theory, it's the events that happen change generations. Like, like if you well, look at like, the civil rights, yeah. like that's gonna make people more oh, what's the word when you protest and stuff? There's a word activist. Yes. That activism. sort of mental activism, like that would that would happen more because maybe like the events if you saw like some social injustice and civil rights movement, like that would make you hopefully maybe be more of an activist and then that would infiltrate your children and then your children and that would cause a shift in the way that you view certain things that you see. Mm -hmm. You'd want to call it out or, or, or something. I, I don't see how people grow up changing those attitudes because they've suddenly changed the generation and then, yeah. and then that's meant that certain things happen because their attitudes have changed. Their attitudes will surely have changed because something has made their attitudes change. Like the nature nurture. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's uh, very much um, in that sense nurture because it's your environment that caused you the shift in your attitudes or behaviours versus you're always going to have that change regardless of whether uh, this event happened or not. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. If you take, for example, even just in the definitions of generations, uh, the boomers are a classic example because they're defined by the war. Yeah. Like a lot of them came, they're called the boomers because, well, they were born in the war because lots of people had babies after the war. Like, yeah, because yeah. they could. Yeah. yeah. Do, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and Bobby Duffy wrote The Generation Myth. And he kind of thinks that generational theory and defining funeral generations isn't as helpful as people think it is because he believes that generations are just one of three factors that explain, explain changes in attitudes, beliefs and behaviours. And I think they have to be. Mm -hmm. Like, I do not think that you could base understanding cultural phenomena and cultural and social shifts in attitudes and behaviours and beliefs solely on someone being born in a certain year. No, it seems very arbitrary. Like I don't, I don't really understand it. So I'm, I kind of like I, I agree with that. I think we're on the same page with that. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to look at. I'm kind of just sort of like I was doing a lot of research on like where generational source theory came from. So I'm just going to like pick up a few other points. I think a lot of them are on the sort of same page. Yeah, okay. Um. 
but uh, yeah, so I was looking at Comstock magazine and they said um, that the first study of generational differences was published in Holly magazine in the 1950s. This is an American um, publication and uh, it features an in-depth look at 22 individuals turning, from 20, turning 21 in 1953 who would be deemed a silent generation. So again, I suppose you're kind of looking at generational theory coming from like a social scientist sort of point of view because you would say that's a sort of social study I think um the authors looked for commonalities but like didn't really find any um and uh yeah lacking any clear definition for the generation of the stories um photographers called the generation x so this is when they were also looking at other generations so generation x came came out and like there would have been naturally if it started with someone like looking at generations and wanting to see the differences between you know like people turning 21 and how does that differ from when I was like 21 but it's interesting you'd want to know you may there'd be a lot of studies that would want to do that as people like grow older if you know what I mean. perhaps they did that again with generation x and um yeah they say how that's how generation x came about and um, because they couldn't really find anything that defined anybody in Generation X, like like common characteristics of mm. anyone in Generation X. So they were like, well, there's like no commonalities between let's just call them Generation X. It's the same thing that when you know if you can't read or if you can't write, you put X because you can't sign your name. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's that same sort of idea. So they say that's when the first gener generational label was born, but I I don't really believe that because they got like the baby boomer generation was before mm -hmm. that. Even if you don't really agree with the silent generation characterization, um, yeah, and then they just really go into looking at uh, defining the generations, but I suppose I'm not really like looking at that moment. I'm just kind of like trying to understand where generational theory um, came from. Um, yeah, and then a lot of people like recently how generation theory has sort of like exploded. I know you're probably like, has it? Has it really? It's not like a big massive thing, but it's just, it's there. People do it. And I think it seems to be a big massive thing now. It's, it's become a business thing. It's become a recruitment thing. So people seem to like want, diversity is obviously a big thing in, in employment. And people kind of want to employ different age ranges. And now it seems to be that they want to employ baby boomers and they want to employ millennials and they want to employ Gen Z. And it seems that like that's how we're defining people now. So that's what you go online and say that like it's a business sort of thing. That's how it came to be. Um, and um, yeah, and then the uh, conversation. Um, say that they can trace generational theory back to some German sociologist, Karl Mannheim, and Spanish philosopher, can't say his name, Jose someone. Um, I'll put all of the references in the, the podcast episode. Um, yeah, so they say that they trace that back all the way to the 1920s, 1930s when they wrote about generations. Um, and they argued that generations allow us to identify and connect with each other and um, who shared the same journey through history to find commonalities um, kind of coming out with like tribalism I suppose not modern day tribalism because that's lost all meaning um, and like I say it seems that now business books 
and businesses, like there was an explosion of like business books that appeared and they sought to categorize the various generational groups in terms of like purchasing preferences, use of technology, media consumption and work demands. So like, I do think as well, like it's a marketing thing. It came out of like people wanting to have certain demographics um, of who they wanted to target. And it's easy if you if you think it's it's market it's market theory. I don't know anything about it, but <laughs> uh, there is there is name for it um, when you want to say you're looking at a consumer and you name them and you give them all these characteristics. You know they're this age, they like to do this, they're a mom, they're not, they're whoever. It gives you a better idea of who they are and what they like and what their spending habits are, um, what their income is. Um, and I think generations is a good way to do that, whether they mean anything or not. I think that's that's how it came to be. So I don't know if you have anything to say. It's a bit like an early algorithm. It is. It is. Yeah. So I don't think like they mean anything too much. I just think they were like. I, don't, I just don't know how many, like, how much, like, they say, uh, the New Yorker sort of says they're very cynical towards it. Like, I don't know how much factual reasoning there is to support generational theory. I don't really understand how there's so many commonalities between us. Mm. I just think they made it and people use it to describe certain certain phenomenons or certain, or use it for marketing tools or, or whatever. And, um yeah, uh, just... I mean, well, if you look at obviously, like when you were talking earlier about like defining each generation, you know, you did hit on the fact that some of them maybe are more sad or some of them are more apathetic. So, you were talking about like their individual kind of guest motivations or feelings, but essentially, when it comes down to it, generations are defined commercially, they're defined materially, but they're defined by yes, like. What music they listen to, what they wear, how they style their hair, like, um, I don't know, um, what magazines they read or books, how often they read, do they use a, like, are they always on their phone, do they go outside, like, it's very kind of like sociocultural. Um, so it's not surprising then that. Uh, you know, generations are most useful, like defining generations and generational theory or whatever you want to call it is most useful when it comes to marketing and consumerism because, well, that's how they're defined. Yes, exactly. So. I'm with you. And then the final point, just to sort of like tie it all up, I suppose, is I just want to sort of look at like why we care, yeah. like why we care. But if, if we do care, if we do care about generations, we might not. Mm -hmm. If we do and why it exists and... Is it really to do with fitting in and why we sort of care about fitting in? Because I think if people do argue for the benefit of generations, like they say, it's to find your group of people, it's to find commonalities between um, people to connect with and identify with. And of course, you connect with similarities. You 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 want to fit in because you want some a, a common interest or something with someone, and that's how you you bond with them. So just you know, just gonna like briefly look at that. Um, and again, I've done a little bit of research about it. So we'll just go through that and just jump in if you have anything, Megan. Um, so yeah, I was looking again at um, Comstock Magazine 
who said that we tend to subconsciously default to what social psychologists Henry Tadgefell and John Turner called in-group and out-group dynamics, um, a process by which we classify people as us or them in order to build our own self-esteem members of the in-group must see themselves as better than the out-group. Um, and they, done, they looked at a 2010 study by researchers at the University of Edinburgh, which revealed an underlying biological mechanism that drives us to identify with certain groups based on social, racial and generational cues. Um, yeah, basically, in other words, saying that we are genetically inclined to favour members of our in-group over people in the so-called out-group. Um, yeah, so I think like it, it comes from, you know, wanting to, to fit in, I guess. That's kind of what they're saying. And I think the whole us versus them thing is uh, prevalent in a lot of things in society, even way back to like tribal cultures. I mean, I suppose, yeah, when you get down to it, like human beings are animals at the end of the day, like you were um, far more advanced, maybe like intellectually and... Um, we have like you know your whole free will and um different desires and things like that and we're quite individual but um you know when you look at animals for example uh they maybe like hunt in packs um it's good to have allies um and there's always that sort of strength in numbers so I think that that's I was just going to say that yeah it's very much pack mentality very much um and again it's that whole thing with generations is you know when people say to you oh why don't you find people your own age or something because they think like instinctively if you have someone who's your same age you're going to get on because you've just like you've obviously got the same interests mm -hmm. because you're the same age mm -hmm. <laughs> not necessarily so mm -hmm. you know but I suppose that would be your in group mm -hmm. um yeah, and then um, I'm just going to quickly go through some of the other things. Oh, yeah. I was looking at, like, perhaps it comes from, like, generational categorization. Not really a thing, but that's what I'm calling it. It comes from, like, social categorization theory, um, which the International Encyclopedia of, the social, of social and Behavioral Sciences says is a process by which people categorize themselves and others into differentiated groups. Categorization simplifies, simplifies perception and cognition related to the social world by detecting inherent similarity relationships or by imposing structure on it or both. People attribute group features to individuals, i.e. stereotyping, and they less strongly generalize individual features to the group. Once we do so, we begin to respond to those people as members of a social group as individuals, which is what we're doing as like generations. I think it's just, I think like in a way, like generational theory is just social categorization, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, and then the principles of social psychology, um, which is a book, um, they say the tendency to categorize others is often useful in some cases we categorize because doing so provides us with information about the characteristics of people who belong to certain social groups we sometimes categorize others not because it seems to provide more information about them but because 
they may people may not have the time or be motivated to do anything more thorough thinking about the other people in terms of their social category membership is a functional way of dealing with the world. So we rely on stereotypes just to get through the world, I suppose. And then finally, uh, I just want to read something from psychology today. Um, yeah, so they say, On the playground, we first begin to notice the differences between ourselves and other children. And we start to mirror the behavior of a dominant group in order to be accepted by them. Um, familiarity is the social glue that bonds people together and we deliberately seek out the similar and the recognizable in order to feel secure. If we're doing the same as everyone else, we must be doing it right. And finding a reflection of ourselves in those around us is a form of validation, which again, like you're saying, is like pack mentality, I suppose. We all want to fit in to belong. In order to achieve that, we often present slightly different versions of who we are depending on the environment and whose company we're in. Um, and yeah, I just think that's what we do when we look at generations. I think it's just an easier way to try and break down, trying to fit in in a world. And in a way, like, I don't know what you think about that. Like, I just, I, I also think, like, if we're going to stick in generations, like, I think Gen, Gen Z are a generation that I'd be surprised if, like, there are going to be more generations. They're probably the little bit final after Gen Z, but I'll be surprised if there's, there's, there's set characteristics, so many characteristics that define them, because I think that, um, like, Gen Z are so self-aware that I don't think in a very meta way they even care about labels anymore. Like, I think millennials do. And again, I know I'm generalising the world, millennials, they don't. But I do think we did and do care about that. And there was always, like, even when you go back to, like, in school and there was groups, you know, always think of, like, mean girls when they split up the cafeteria. And it's, like, these are your cool people. These are, like, your nerds and your goths and whatever. And this is how you, you fit in. Like, I don't, I don't know. I've not been to school with a Gen Z. <laughs> Um, maybe I have technically I don't know I'm so confused with the, the years <laughs> but I feel like um, they don't really care as a rule of thumb they're very much more like if you like doing what you're doing do it like be much more of an individual they like, don't follow the crowd um, and I think in a very meta way I think like that's what generations like do they really fit us into these social categories and boxes and I feel like it's arbitrary and unnecessary and I really do wish we'd stop doing it because I don't think it's relevant anymore. Hmm. Do you want to challenge on that there? Yes, please um, do. So do you not really think that it's helpful at all? I think it's helpful in a way like they were saying earlier, if you were if you were a social a social scientist and you were doing a study and you wanted to try and understand the world it'd be easy of course it's easy if you're taking the whole time from like the 1920s up to 2022 you're going to want to split that in certain ways to try and break that up and to understand the world right so i get why no. generations exist so i think in that sense yes it makes sense i get you i get you yes i can see it from like generation theory um and the scientific aspect i mean like as an on an individual do you think it's helpful for an individual 
to see themselves in a generation? Not really. I mean, in my past experience of late, I feel like I've described to people a lot more like, oh, I'm like, I'm learning how to do this and blah, blah, blah. But it's to me, it's like the equivalent of the, you know, in your BuzzFeed quiz, there'll be loads of people that are like, what's a BuzzFeed quiz? But like, again, it's just another, it's a meta thing of looking at it. Like, it's probably a millennial thing that you do, you, that you would do like a quiz like that. Right, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to Yes, exactly. Because you're, const- you're constantly trying to fit into something and define, yeah. and define yourself, right? But I think it is, it's as arbitrary as doing a BuzzFeed quiz. If you do a BuzzFeed quiz, right, and you're like, hmm, what flavour pizza do I right? And it's like, pick your favourite colour. If you went on holiday, pick your destination. Uh, I don't know. What these questions have to do with your pizza topping, I have absolutely I have no idea. But at the end of it, they go, oh, you're pepperoni. And you're like, oh, God, pepperoni, that actually means something to me. It doesn't mean anything because there's no scientific basis to it whatsoever. But you're like, oh, that's so cool. And it's like, say, a group of you did it, right? And your friend had it. You're like, oh, my God, we're so similar. And you're like, no, you're not. Yeah, I mean, I understand you, right? But I just think it's quite ironic that you see, say, for example, the generation, oh my god, I've just forgotten it. What's the one that's the latest one? Not the latest, latest one, but you know. Silent. No, the like, Gen Z. Yeah, then. Um, you say, you know, they might be the ones that are like less um, bothered about labels yes. and things. Yeah, they're the ones that are peddlers. They're the ones that are making it really popular to find yourself with generations. It wasn't, and I don't remember being called millennial when I was younger. You're right. I um, don't. I don't remember I think, it being a thing. I don't I remember the it being a thing. The reason for that is because it is helpful to some people. It's helpful to make you feel that you belong because I think it just in a general sense, um, as we stand today, we're in a massive identity crisis. So people are like, you know, you look at people who are maybe struggling with defining their gender, their sexuality, or, you know, whatever. Yes. And it's maybe helpful to feel like, oh, these are my people. This is who I belong with. Because I think people, you know, we have social media and things like that. And um, at the end of the day, like, human beings are social beings. And I don't think that it actually helps us to be so anonymous that we don't belong to a group that's like ours if you know what I mean mm-hmm. like you know that's what your family is that's what like if you have a really close group of friends are like you have that comfort when you see them like for example maybe when I'm at work I'm like slightly reserved people always say I'm quiet but maybe when I'm with you or with my family you break out into like who I am and there's that comfort and there's that relief and there's just something really helpful about being in a boat in a group that you belong to and I think that's what defining yourself within a generation is giving people, is giving them that kind of like, oh, okay, this is where I am. This is my purpose. Or this is, these are, like I said, these are my people sort of thing. Yes, and, I agree. Um, and I think that's why it is such a popular thing at the moment because people don't know how to define themselves anymore because everything's, and I don't mean this in the, the, the identity sense. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Everything's so non-binary. I don't mm. mean it in that. In what I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, and I know that everyone's like, oh, it's really helpful, you know, to break down these binaries. And yes, it might be. But ironically, the bird's on back up again by constantly saying that they want to be within a, that they're defining themselves in the generation. Yeah. Because people actually sometimes, I think, want these binaries. They want these groups that they belong to. Yeah. And I, these kind of, as well, like, when, you know, when we're kids and everything, I mean, we didn't go to them, but, you know, they're always popular. Like, these things like groups, like, like, 
don't know, ghetto gangs and scouts and cubs and whatever, right? They were always really, really popular because there's something about being in a group and being in, um, like, your tribe. Yeah, there is. It's always been helpful. There is, there is, you're right. And I think that's why people are are really, like, wanting to, to try and, like, fit themselves within it. You're right, and and I I do think that, and and I think that people kind of always want validation, mm-hmm. and I think something like that gives you that validation that you're not alone in this. And I think right now as well, everybody that you see with the identity crisis, which is the identity crisis, like everyone's trying to figure out who they are and where things came from, and if you're going to do it in a really like uh, like a worldview sort of sense, if you understand your generation. And you understand what you grew up with, then you understand why you are kind of like the way that you are. Yeah. And if you look at it, ex- oh my God, I said that word, ex- existentially. Yes. Um, and you see people would disagree with this and things like that. But in general, um, you know, you could say that human beings are constantly striving to find that purpose and to find like why why they're even here on this earth. Yeah. If you know what I mean. And I think that that's why we constantly. Um, try to like define ourselves. I mean, I think the the ongoing thing that for every person is to sort of um, find themselves and sort of find out like why they're here and you know what is the point and what like you know like at the end of the day that's like the biggest question. If you if all of your life is sorted, right? Everything and money and safety and no no poverty, no you yeah. know everything's yeah. great, right? you might still be discontent and like discontent I think is probably because your purpose is not fulfilled because I mean you don't know that you have a purpose like what why, why am I in here like oh god it's all like but, like you know the disaffected yeah and I think that um defining ourselves within generations or whichever is just another way of yeah um, because that and absolutely yourself that I do belong to something I do uh- yeah. yeah absolutely and also just quick point and on like a very like trivial point I think it's just how you bond like I know people have said that that's why they exist but I feel like that's maybe why I know I've said they might not but if they do endure it'll be because of this because I feel like if you bond with someone I don't know if you're like me I assume you are but like my biggest thing is popular culture references mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Might be because I'm a millennial, but like I think if you then talk to someone about, oh, have you seen this film? Have you seen this TV show? Do you like this band? And then you might not need to be saying it because, like, oh, I'm really like cool because I know it. Literally, it's just your point of reference to then be like, okay, now this person is yeah. on my wavelength. And, and I know that's exactly what that research was saying, but perhaps in a way it's useful. They might not be totally true, but. I suppose that's why people like doing it. And I suppose that's why I wanted to talk about it because when you see it on social media, that's what it is. That's what people are doing, you know, like on TikTok and stuff. That's what videos are. It's like, I'm a millennial, so I like like this. I'm a Gen Z, so I act like this. Or I like this. I grew up being a millennial, so therefore I like like groovy chick and pop pop idol and Tracy Beaker. Do you know what I mean? Like I was a Gen Z, so I like like Billy Eilish or something, you can tell how out of touch I am. And again, that's another thing as well, is like being out of touch with things. Yeah, uh, I think like, um, it's just, like I was saying, it's one way to define yourself, but like you say, it's also to bond. And people have been doing this for decades. Like yeah. if you take, you know, the stereotypical 
old person, right? Yes. Person, and like again, going back to the thoughts and horses, the granddad and the uh, uncle, they always talk about the war. But, oh, in the war, we just, mm. and then you meet another old person, and you're like, oh, where did you serve in the war? Were you in the Navy or the Air or whatever? Yes, yes. And it's yes. that kind of thing that we constantly do. It's like, it's why I think like, it'll endure because of that. Because, yeah. like, you know, when you sit around with your friends and things like that, you reminisce. You, you, you reminisce or you moan. Yes. You're just like of a good rant about and well those people were there to be never to die well. Exactly. And as much as everyone says, oh, I won't turn into that, everybody will turn into that. Everybody will say, Oh, I didn't do this. Because the generation will be, will be different. Yeah, and because generations, if you look at it, what defines a generation is your youth. Generational theory to me is basically youth culture. It's mm-hmm. what it's what that youth culture is at that time. And everybody wants to stay useful. Everybody wants to pretend that they're still young. And that's why even when I say a millennial and that's old now, I'm like, what? How is that possible? But because everybody's reveling in their nostalgia and their usefulness. And that's where generations come from. And that's why we define them as we do. So that when we talk to them, we know we can say, oh, I like whoever. And we and did this in my day. And they'll like, oh, the reason, yeah, yeah, I did too. And they, they relish it. Yeah, and the reason as well is maybe another... Um, Sorry, another reason that um, this kind of like thing about generations is really popular to shout is because nostalgia is so potent. Mm-hmm. Like it is like everyone's got nostalgia for something, and yeah. you know how like they go on about like you know like I don't mean the show, but you know the X Factor, right? Like, it's just that yes. thing. <laughs> you don't know what it is, but it's, it's just you got it. Right? Yes. To me, that's kind of like what nostalgia is. If Businesses and social media companies and marketers and everything can 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 tap into that. They can, they can hit that goldmine of nostalgia. They've won. They, they've yeah. won. And that's why things like TikTok and that are completely taken off because it's like bottling that nostalgia. It's giving you that. Um, uh-huh. it, it's like commercializing uh, nostalgia, really. Absolutely. Um. Uh, um and uh, yeah, I think I think you, you've got it spot on. And and I, I just want to end with one question, um, which I did have, and I've probably forgot my question, but we'll try and get back to it. Um, do you think that had you not known about generations, you would define who you were in the same way that like a millennial is defined? Or do you think you you act like it because you know how it's defined if that makes sense if you were talking to someone do you think you'd like like talk to them about a certain thing or like if they were the same age as you you knew they were a millennial would you do it because like someone has told you what a millennial is and what happened in your years your formative years i don't know years no i don't know that's the honest answer to that um probably because it doesn't really mean anything but but I do have to say that again. I have to caveat by saying I've never been someone who really felt like everything was popular. Yes, um, but as I've got older, you care less. You don't have that same like absolute like need to be uh, liked in the same way, to be seen as cool and up to date with things as you do when you're younger, because there's that kind of like, pressure to do that. Um, so in that sense, I've kind of let myself go in that sense so I, I just kind of like stuck in what I knew which okay. is my generation and I think yeah. that's where a lot of people get to they're stuck in the generation because there's not that pressure to keep up anymore yeah because there's a certain um, point where you stop and again I think that's yeah. just because you're past your youth so yeah but yeah quite a long one today mm-hmm. apologies about that but 
Um, yeah. And I think it's your turn next week. Megan. Yeah. I can't remember what we're doing, so I'll get up to it. Just a running theme that the weeks will be a surprise. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. This podcast was written and recorded by Megan and Claire and hosted on Anchor. Music was taken from Pixabay.